Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track. I am your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about Let's Go Crazy from the album Music from Purple Rain. It is the opening track. It's the opening track of the album. It's the opening track of the film. It was first recorded on the 3rd of August 1983 at First Avenue. Prince had a uh, a, a kind of concert where he, um, he'd he been rehearsing, you know, for uh, a few months with the, the revolution, um, uh, all the songs that would be on, on Purple Rain. Um, and he recorded you know, a number of them in in one night at First Avenue. And then he went back later on a couple of months later and he kind of re-recorded some of the songs from scratch and others he just kind of like did overdubs on. And this is one of the songs that kind of just got the overdub treatment in uh, in October of 1983. Uh, on the track, we have Prince and we have Bobby Z, Brown Mark, Dr. Fink, Wendy and Lisa, everyone who you know from the film. The opening song is actually a longer version of the album kind of version um, that kind of has a couple of extra... You know, like you get a few extra riffs just so that you can see everybody getting ready to go party at, uh, at First Avenue in the film. Um, but on the album, it's four minutes and 39. The single was released and it was only actually three minutes and 46. I don't know why they cut so much from it. Um, I think they mostly cut the the introduction, the, the Dearly Beloved stuff. They kind of cut that out, um, you know, uh, so obviously we get more radio play. And then there is a dance mix that goes for seven and a half minutes as well. And obviously, with it being like the the opening track of the album, the opening track of the film, I feel this is like the song where, you know, if you're listening to Purple Rain, it's a really great, you know, first song on the album. Um, You know, possibly one of one of the greatest first songs on an album. I don't know. We'll get into that uh, discussion with my guest. Joining me once again is Stan Ferguson. Hello, Stan. Hello. I, I always struggle with Prince to kind of put anything into a genre, but I would say that this is a straight up uh rock song this is just rock isn't it i mean prince at this point um you know he's he's opening the film by just completely rocking out oh yeah um, as proven by the very 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 long kind of like guitar solo stuff towards the end of the uh, of the of the song and also kind of showcasing his band as well um in the film obviously you know he's it's introduced as ladies and gentlemen the revolution because obviously prince does not exist in the film purple rain right although i think it's it's interesting that given given the ego that is on the kid in the film purple rain <laughs> that he isn't introducing it as the kid and the revolution um but i guess they just go for the revolution um you know just keep it simple you know it is such a great kind of like introduction to the film you know uh on on this podcast you know i try and pick out like memorable lyrics from prince songs but i feel like Every single line of this song is a memorable lyric, you know, starting with Dearly Beloved, we're gathered here today to get through the sinkhole life, which is just such a great, you know, with the with the uh, the kind of organ playing underneath and, you know, kind of as if as if Prince is, you know, a preacher. Right. Um, you know, in church. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's a perfect opening for this album. It's a great opening for a song. It, I don't think anything like this has ever been really replicated, nor should it. <laughs> it, it just it gives you this. It has, you have no idea where it's gonna go uh, when you first listen to this. No, until the elevator is gonna bring us down and then go crazy, and then bam! This is a rock song. This is a rock album. Yeah, and it's it it just preps you for everything you're about to hear. All the way through, and because this is this is the opening song to probably my favorite album. Period. Not my favorite yeah. Prince album. This is my favorite album. And I think as well, you know, I like you know we the last time we spoke, you know, we were talking about a, a less than memorable song that had great lyrics. 
And here you have a, a song that is memorable and also has like just brilliant lyrics. You know, the, the, the fact that he says, call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know, the one. And I just love the way he says, you know, the one, because it's just so perfect. Oh, yeah. And then when he names him Dr. Everything will be all right. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it's a stupid name, but it just, it fits the kind of sarcastic tone of like, yeah, call up that shrink, you know, the one. And it's just, you can't help, but even if you just say the words, you know, the one, you just can't help the kind of say them with the cadence that Prince puts in there because it's just so great. Well, this song has what Baby was missing, which is that Prince attitude. That yeah. that special something that je ne sais quoi that he brings uh that no one else ever could. It that, that that's why the lyrics are so wrong-headed, but it's so wonderful and fun. <laughs> uh and you you know what yeah. this is about. You read these lyrics, it's like, ah, don't go to a psychiatrist. You you're going to it's gonna, it's gonna deafen you to life. You know, you got experience, and that could cause serious problems to someone <laughs> if they actually follow that advice. But as a party song, yeah. it you can't beat it. When Prince became more religious, um, particularly around the time of emancipation, uh, when he was kind of forced by EMI to actually promote an album uh, <laughs> rather than just having it sail by on the fact that it was by Prince. Um, he spoke a lot about how the songs on some of his later albums, particularly if you look at from Emancipation onwards, where his religiosity is kind of more overt. You know, it been it had been there in songs like, you know, The Cross and stuff like that. Um, but he kind of always had to kind of work in metaphors. And he talked about how in, you know, um, Let's Go Crazy the elevator is, you know, is the devil. You know, when he's talking about punch a higher floor, he means, you know, you've got to try and attain, you know, heaven. You've got to try and be a better person to get to heaven. Right. And obviously, you know, he's advising you to, you know, not talk to your shrink and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, within there, there is this kind of thing where, you know, when he says, you know, we're not going to let the elevator, you know, bring us down. Right. He, he's talking about, you know, the devil. You know, obviously, you know, if you, if you don't know that, it doesn't make any difference to the song. But I think that's an interesting thing that, you know, later on he kind of revealed, you know, that some of his some of his earlier songs that, that kind of didn't feel like they were religious, you know, he was kind of having to just work in metaphor because he felt that if he was overtly religious, you know, he just wouldn't get, you know, the songs wouldn't chart and, they, you know, Warner Brothers wouldn't let him release them and all that kind of stuff. So, right. you know, he felt a little constrained. Maybe. Well, in the third verse, there's a lyric that's that really kind of stuck out to me. Uh, Pills and thrills and daffodils will kill. I mean, one, it's just wonderful repetition of a rhyme. Yeah. My own feeling towards that is the pills and thrills and daffodils. This comes right after saying, Dr. Everything will be all right. We'll make everything go wrong. Yeah. The pills and thrills and daffodils, to me, that exemplifies a kind of lifestyle that he was going against. I guess what you would consider, I guess, like, what was it? Studio 54 that, you know, you, you stay away, basically stay, say no to drugs kind of message. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny, uh, but it, so it's, it's not, li it's certainly not limited to just don't see a psychiatrist. It's pretty much be completely clean uh, kind of thing, which is interesting because yeah. uh, he was so, uh, I believe, mostly sexually progressive certainly you know mo you know if you look at the lyrics for you know like controversy and sexuality and you know there's a few other songs on on dirty mind and controversy where his lyrics are very kind of you know when he when he says stuff like i'm mean, even on um you know even on on this album where he says i'm not a woman i'm not i'm not a man i'm not anything you'll understand right he, he, he yeah he's he's very kind of forward looking in that way but um 
At the same time, he says, you know, let's look for the purple banana before they put us in the truck. So <laughs> I don't know how seriously we can take these lyrics. Uh, you know, it's, no, it's kind of fun. It's, it's, but I, you know, I, I like the kind of the weird because it's, you know, a very upbeat kind of like rock song. And, you know, I, I like the kind of stuff where he says, you know, we're all excited, but we don't know why. Maybe it's because we're all going to die. And it's like. It's this is weird, and it's sung in such a kind of upbeat, kind of happy way that you don't realize that he's saying stuff about you know you better live now before the Grim Reaper come knocking on your door. It's like you know these <laughs> these lyrics are kind of you know kind of at odds with the the kind of tone of the song and you know like the kind of upbeat stuff. Right, it's an upbeat song about the inevitability of mortality. A lot like 1999. There's a little bit of kind of like storytelling in here. But only, only really kind of little glimpses of it. In particular, where he says, "I called my own lady for a friendly word." She picked up the phone, dropped it on the floor, and then you know he kind of pants and yeah. he says, "Was all I heard." But you know, obviously, Prince's sexuality is so potent that even if all he does is call someone for a friendly word, they are literally at the other end of the phone, you know, um, orgasming basically, you know, so, and. I think it's there's kind of these weird little things that he's thrown in here that kind of that doesn't really fit with the rest of the song. But I took that a different way. I was thinking like he was calling his. Oh, did you? He was calling his uh his his old lady, and what he found was she was having sex with someone else. Oh, that was always my interpretation. Yeah, I guess it could be that as well. And and yeah, I get. I mean, I guess it's it's kind of vague, isn't it? It doesn't really specifically say. But I mean, I'm going off how he. he uh, there's been a few times where you know he's done he's done this song live, and generally when he mimes that bit, he's on the floor himself, kind of panting into the right. microphone. So I kind I kind of took it as he was engaging in phone sex that you know was, was extremely potent. But I, I guess I guess it could work as he's hearing he's hearing someone cheating on him, and I guess that's what's turning him towards. Um, you know, the purple banana. Issue. Right. Like that's what drove him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, like, that's kind of the only, you know, the, the, aside from the stuff with, you know, like the, the introduction, there's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of let's go crazy. Let's get nuts kind of over and over right. again, um, which is great. Cause you know, it's, it's extremely catchy. You don't really need that much stuff. And of course, you know, there were a couple of really good, like kind of guitar solos thrown oh, in there. Ridiculous amount of, fantastic solos particularly after the is it the way he goes let's get nuts and then he just starts you know um he's just soloing and, and yeah a couple of like really good like kind of solos and there's that kind of like um i don't know how to describe it it's kind of like a little refrain the that kind of keeps once he starts getting into the solo kind of like the the, the underneath it is the, is the kind of refrain that kind of goes around and around and around as the song gets towards the end is kind of repeated right and yeah i, I mean like just in terms of the music it's such a great song and you know such a great performance and i think particularly highlighted by you know in the film this is the intro this is the start of the film purple rain you know i think it's interesting because it, while the song is going on in the film you get little introductions to you know what prince you know prince getting ready to go you know perform at first avenue you get morris day um, you know, hoovering in his underwear and and kind of getting ready. Um, you know, meeting up with uh, meeting up with Jerome, who has a you know like a, a half length mirror that he holds up in front of most day every now and again, uh, which is like such a great gimmick. Um, so great that Lex Luger stole it years later. Um, and then also, you know, y- y- you've got um, Apollonia trying to get into First Avenue while Let's Go Crazy is playing. Right. You know, managing to get past Chick Hunsbury um, at the door. 
um, <laughs> even though I don't, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know why Chick is keeping people out of of First Avenue. I guess maybe he, he's very strict about the fire code. I don't know. It's just, um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's just very, it's just very odd. But yeah, it's 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 not just a great song on the album, but it also, if you're ever, you know, if anyone's ever watched the film Purple Rain, and I'm sure if you listen to this, you probably have. Um, you know, it's a great kind of opening to the film, you know, um, and particularly when you get to the end bit where Prince starts, you know, saying he's coming, he's coming, um, and then just saying the word coming, you know, um, which later on he said is, you know, obviously about Jesus and not about, you know, the sexual kind of connotations of that. But <laughs> in the film, like, you know, he's kind of grinding against like Wendy and Lisa. So you kind of have to think about it that way. Um, and then obviously it finishes with him screaming, take me away. And in the film, you get like shots of all the like. There's even like kind of you know people who are in the audience. There's like the you know the the manager of the club. There's Apollonia. There's Prince. They all kind of like flash by as as the song like finishes. Um, just before it, you know, on the album, it, it quickly goes into uh, "Take Me with You." But you know, in the film, you know, the, the Revolution have played their first song. Right. I have to assume it was the last last song of a set, and that they're now going off stage because. Um, <laughs> I mean, saying that, it's very strange that that would be the final song they would play, considering how long the introduction is. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the rev- the revolution right. go off stage. Well, it's that weird thing that they do in, like, movies where bands seem to go up there and do maybe one or two songs, and that's the entire Well, song. later on in the film, Prince, you know, the revolution do actually just do one song, and when they come off stage, the manager does, you know, the manager of the club does say to them, what's with this one song? Like straight to them, so so it's actually like a really I don't know. There's like a clever deconstruction of that trope in the middle of this film that just keeps doing this trope, you know. And in the film, in the film, obviously right. straight after this, uh, the time go up and they perform "Jungle Love." In itself, is also you know a really good song, you know, like um, probably not as good as "Let's Go Crazy," but obviously you know in the story, the crowd prefers "Jungle Love" to "Let's Go Crazy" for some reason. You know, that's the crazy <laughs> science fiction alternate world that they are operating in in that film. But yeah, you know, it, it's such a great, it's such a great song, um, and it just functions so well to kind of introduce you to what the album "Purple Rain" is going to be, and also what the film "Purple Rain" is going to be. Uh, for the most part, you know, obviously once once "Purple Rain" right. gets some to some of the kind of talky bits and the acting, it's not super great. But once you get back to the music, every single time in Purple Rain, I'd, I, I, you know, I'd argue that every time the, the, you know, someone's playing music in Purple Rain, the film, you know, is 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 at least twice as good as as any other film. Uh, obviously, you know, then it has to they have to start talking to each other, so it immediately drops. But uh, there's a there's a lovely scene in the film as well where he finds his uh, father's music, yeah, and he sits down and plays it on the piano, and it's just it's gorgeous and. That, you know, the the camera angle where it's behind him as he's playing and the music that he's playing in that scene, uh, that's all the emotion that you need. You don't need great acting or any acting right there. It's all done right there with him playing and with that music. And that it just says everything. I think that is always, the, you know, the strength of Purple Rain is is always the music. Yeah, even even if it's just Prince sitting down at, at a piano playing some of his father's music father's in inverted quotes there because obviously it's all prince isn't it right um, <laughs> though, though of course on the next album uh, his father did actually co-write a couple of tracks so you know life imitating art a little bit there um, <laughs> i would say a clear five out of five if you're on itunes and you have to give this five you know any rating out of five i think it's a clear five out of five isn't it oh definitely um wh- probably my second favorite song on this album what's your favorite song a purple rain. Oh well, of course, yeah. <laughs> Should go without saying, 
really. But I, I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, I really. Uh, you want to talk about a guitar solo, but yeah, no, Purple Rain is great. Uh, even if it is like six minutes of fade out, but yeah, I mean, a great song. Obviously, we'll get to that in in a few days' time. Um, but um, now, something that I want to bring up because I think this is quite interesting. Spin Magazine, uh, back in the days when magazines still existed, uh, which was when the 25th anniversary of this album was released, they invited a number of bands, not super well-known bands, I would say, to do covers of you know songs from Purple Rain. Um, and so they did, like, you know, all all nine tracks. Uh, if you go onto YouTube and search for Purplish Rain, which is the, the name of the album, uh, you can find you can find all the different covers. Um, <laughs> the, co- the, 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 the band that covered it for, you know, covered this track uh, were the Riverboat Gamblers. I personally don't know who they are. Um, but, you know, I think they did an okay version of, of this song. Um, I don't know your, your thoughts on it. Well, I, one, it's a, it's a great song. So the musically it's going to be fantastic if they just yeah. do it right. What I was listening what I was thinking as I was listening to it was wow they sound white. <laughs> uh, and it that it, it let's go crazy one of the great things about it is it is a rock song but it is a rock song by Prince and everything that that entails because Prince wasn't just a great songwriter he wasn't just a great guitarist he was a great performer with this incredibly crazy yeah. voice and that adds so much to every single one of his songs uh there's such a versatility to it that every single uh, remake of his songs that I hear usually for whatever reason um, they're by white bands, <laughs> white rock bands. They they miss that little extra something that makes it special. Yeah. Uh, where they get it right is songs where Prince never actually performed until afterwards, like Manic Monday uh, by the Bangles yeah. or um, Nothing Compares to You uh, done by Sinead O'Connor. And that's because I think, you know, the band... Uh, you know, the Bengals and Sinead O'Connor took his music and his lyrics and made it their own and got to define it before he defined yeah. it. And these bands that did these covers, they sound like bands just doing a cover rather than making, you know, taking the song and making their own. There's also, I mean, you say white bands, there's also a cover of this by, um, by Incubus. And there have been quite a few, uh, you know, like as bands are want to do, you know, uh, when Prince died, there were a number who did kind of like different tributes to Prince, um, and so there are kind of like live versions of of this track by uh, Maroon Five and Three One One and Green Day. Uh, you know, a lot of like you say, yeah, very very white guys. I think it's interesting actually because obviously, uh, you know, for his first few albums, Prince was singing mostly falsetto, um, and so that lent itself more to women covering his songs. Whereas you know, once we get to 1999 and and Purple Rain, he's actually singing us in a slightly lower register. It's not all falsetto, and so I think that's that's why right. you kind of get, uh, you know, this is this is where kind of like you know white guys can now start to sing Prince because they don't have to kind of you know take it out of their you know go too high in their vocal range. Basically, it just it sits a bit more easier. Um, but also, you know, because right. it's a rock song, and you know, rock bands like to cover rock songs. Don't try to sound like him. <laughs> Only Prince is Prince. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got to say, I am like the one thing that I hate is people covering Prince songs. Um, that's the one thing that, like, even <laughs> even some of my friends who are musicians, 
uh, on occasion when they've like covered a Prince song, I've been like, please don't do that. Like, uh, you know, you're not Prince. There's no reason for you to be singing that song. So I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. I think if if people can do something interesting with the song. Um, I'll talk about this when we get to it, but there's a version of Girls and Boys that's basically done in a reggae style, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. Like it's an right. interesting, like it's a completely different direction to what the song actually is. Um, and I think if you can do that, then it's good. But you know, if you're like Incubus or Green Day or whatever, and you're covering a Purple Rain song, then you're just basically doing like a, a basic rock cover, and there's nothing really that you you're adding to it, and so you probably shouldn't be doing that song. Exactly. Um, but you. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, I think even um, uh, it's there's someone on this, this the most recent season of The Voice as we record this did like a cover of uh, of Let's Go Crazy with um, Adam Levine was like the judge who played with him, um, and uh, and Adam Adam Levine right. actually is a surprisingly good guitarist and you know did a decent job of the solo, but of course as I know the solo from let's go crazy, like note for note, if someone does it wrong, you're like, nah, that's not the solo. You've made, you've made a mistake. Either do it properly or don't do it at all. <laughs> Adam Levine, Grammy award winning, you know, platinum selling artist or whatever. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Don't, don't just start adding your own notes in there. Cause you can't do prints. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we, I think we've said about as much as we can about let's go crazy. Um, such a great, such a great opening track to, you know, what is a great album. Um, you know, I think I think Prince, you know, it, you look at the trajectory he took in the early 80s, um, you know, and his first two albums were po- possibly a little underwhelming. Um, and then, you know, the next two albums were very experimental and kind of, you know, kind of laid out the stall of what Prince was going to be. Um, and then obviously 1999 is still a kind of continuation of the, the sound from Controversy, but, you know, with a band now kind of filling it out a bit more. So it's not just Prince jamming against Prince. Right. Um and then obviously once you once you get to you know this is the point where it is prince and the revolution uh, you know then that is important you know having wendy and lisa there giving prince you know inspiration um and kind of giving him ideas and kind of uh, you know taking the songs that prince you know when he was by himself he would he he was you know he's a genius so obviously he can he can play all the instruments and that's fine but when you have you know a, a guitarist or you know a bassist in your band who is doing something different then obviously it, it makes the songs better and i think that's what happens here is you know um this is prince you know obviously the revolution was sort of on 1999 but this is the point where he he's billing them as as the band and and you know they're getting the credit and and this is what it's going to be for you know the next kind of three albums and um, and if you count the kind of touring band that, that stuck around for a couple of albums after that um you know this is it for the rest of the 80s basically is prince and the revolution and I think that helped him a lot, you know, having other people around him who could push him a little bit and kind of give him different ideas. I think it helped broaden, you know, his appeal like very quickly, you know, straight away. He's got the number one film, the number one song and the number one album all at the same time. And he's he's basically a superstar at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The revolution helped make him great. And I, th- I, I you know, I don't think there's any dispute in that, because if you listen to, you know, the first four albums, you know, that Prince is is a genius. and You know, he's great. But once he actually gets other people contributing, that's where he gets taken to the next level, um, you know. And I think I think that's the great thing about both the film and the album Purple Rain is you see this this artist basically blossoming and becoming, you know, a superstar right in front of your eyes. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Okay, well, uh, let's go to plugs then, Stan. All right, uh, I have uh, two podcasts that I do uh, that I am I love, and one is. Uh, they see me rolling where I DM my friends, uh, Jody, Ivan and Hayden, uh, 
on an adventure of my making. Uh, actually, it's mostly their making because uh, I give them a lot of player agency. So it's like Taz, but with a little less railroading, not to cast any dispersions on Taz. It's just we, we didn't want to do exactly the same thing they were doing. Um, and additionally, I do another comedy podcast called uh, A Thousand Words, kind of elevator pitch think a uh, flop house except about paintings and not bad paintings just paintings uh so it's an appreciation and uh a bunch of goof em ups with my friends jessica and ron great stuff and are you on any social media i am on twitter uh, you can find me at race car fast lane uh retweeting things that i find funny or politically expedient great stuff and you can find us on facebook at prince track by track or we are on twitter at prince podcast um, or you can email us. Don't know why you would want to, but you can. Uh, Prince track by track at gmail.com. Um, thanks for being my guest today, Stan. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye.